Welcome to BioThrive. What does it mean to thrive? I believe that in order to thrive, we need to optimize our biology, our chemistry, and the electrical frequency that courses through every cell and organ of our body. Thriving also means more than just a healthy body. It means abundant energy, deep connections, and happiness. BioThrive podcast is about all of this. You're invited to hear from leaders and innovators who share cutting-edge science tools and techniques to help you become the CEO of your own health. Don't settle for just getting by or surviving. It is your turn to thrive. Hi, everybody, and thank you for joining us with myself and my friend and colleague, Dr. Anna Kabeka. Dr. Kabeka is triple board certified and a fellow of gynecology and obstetrics, integrative medicine, and anti-aging and regenerative medicine. She has special certifications in functional medicine, sexual health, and bioidentical hormone replacement therapy. For over 20 years, she's served over 10,000 women in her private practice and millions more through her books, online videos, and articles. When her own health took a troubling turn during menopause, she sought out the wisdom of healers around the world. Now, she learned that modern medicine and time-tested natural remedies are not at odds. Working together, they create indisputable results and true well-being. Using delicious healing foods and simple lifestyle changes, Dr. Anna reclaimed her own health and life. Fueled by her belief that every woman deserves to be empowered and in control of their health and life, she developed the Keto Green Lifestyle, which has helped thousands of women opt out of menopause misery and experience a joyful transition to the next stages of their lives. Awesome sauce. Welcome. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) So good to be here with you, Tammy. Thanks for having me. Well, and you know, I love that opt out of menopause misery because you can't opt out of menopause. Mm, Natural and mandatory. Every woman will experience it, but suffering is optional. Exactly. And you know, isn't it interesting that most people don't really understand that word menopause? Mm-hmm. Like it just it's means you have definition. Yeah. <laughs> yeah terrible, well. So many terrible definitions around menopause and in women's health in general. I mean, like, where did that come from? The Japanese got it better. Their word is um, for this transition time period is, is just second spring, uh, kanenki. And it's, um, yeah, second spring. And I'm like, oh, yeah, let's let's just go into our second spring, breeze through menopause into the second spring of our lives. And that's a much better visual, for sure, than the way we look at it here. Oh, it means the end of reproduction, the end of sexy, the end of all this other bullshit. That's not true. Well, and I think that menopause is this thing that people don't realize that the perimenopause, the, you know, that beginning part, which can last up to 10 years, is really the most troubling part. And I think that the symptoms are subtle, aren't they? And I think women should on themselves. Oh, I should be more organized. I should have gone to sleep earlier. I could lose this weight because I should exercise more, blah, 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 blah. Should, 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 should. But that's not true. In this transition period, it's an uphill battle and you need special tools and tricks. And I love your menu pause cookbook as one of the main things. So tell us a little bit about what led you to this, what this book addresses, 
and what we can find out by taking advantage of it and buying it. Yeah, yeah. I'm just laughing on all the shoulds because we always say we have to stop shitting on ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. And perimenopause, this time period, I mean, age 35 to 55, there's a neuroendocrine vulnerability going along here, you know, that are, with our hormone shifts that, you know, you talk about so well. So with these hormone shifts, though, one thing I didn't realize these symptoms that bring a patient into a gynecologist like myself, the irregular bleeding, the PMS, the breakthrough or heavier cycles, all of those things, the neurologic symptoms are coming in too, the anxiety, the insomnia, the brain fog, the mood swings, the loss of sex drive. You know, I mean, all of those things are, are neurologic, right? So it's a neuroendocrine vulnerability. And I thought, okay, well, this is where, you know, I recognize that all my work in estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, DHEA even, that it really comes to the three major hormones, cortisol, insulin, and oxytocin, and that we have to shift our fuel source because gluconeogenesis in the brain is deficient during that time period because it's hormone dependent. The use of glucose in the brain is, as a fuel is hormone dependent, but the use of ketones is not. So we're getting all these neuroendocrine symptoms because our brain's essentially starving for fuel. And it doesn't matter how much blood glucose is, avail is available. I mean, we can have that inefficient gluconeogenesis for the brain. I think that's really, really a powerful, uh, it was a powerful aha to me because I experienced all of those symptoms. And until I uh, created this way that I write about in, in my books and my newest book, Menupause, the, what I call the Keto Green Way, using food as medicine and shifting so that we can be empowered in this neuroendocrine transition, which is really tough for so many of us. But it doesn't have to be when we treat it from this holistic approach. So a long way to say that's why I wrote Menu Pause is sometimes we get stuck in doing things that no longer serve us. And so we have to pause them. And uh, there's actually a chapter called Pausing the Things That No Longer Serve You. But the premise of this book are five different menu plans that each pause something and allow us to experience a different way of eating for six short days. I mean, two 72-hour cycles to regenerate gastric mucosa, you know, to experience, well, is this, is this maybe in the, my next right step? Is there something I've been doing that's interfering with my progress towards even better, more optimal health? Well, and I think that during this menopause, menopause stage, a lot of women are resorting to the tricks that they used to do in their 20s and 30s because it worked before, but they're finding that it doesn't work now. For example, especially for weight loss, most women do not become obese during perimenopause, but I would say that the majority of my patients and probably yours have 10 to 15 pounds that they didn't have before, and it's so stubborn. It won't budge, and it's like a seal, you know, it just kind of is a layer <laughs> across, and the tricks that we used to use aren't working, and I, I think it's important for women to to really just have some grace and some forgiveness for themselves that their whole system is working on a different software now. So of course, it's not going to be the same outcome using the same as the old tools. So 
Tell us a little bit about one of the six things that you highlight to pause some of the symptoms. And I think it's really important you were talking about this neuroendocrine thing, you know, and the brain loves, loves glucose as its primary source. But if it isn't able to utilize it, don't we just crave it more and more? And there you go. You aren't a bad person. And if you have new or stronger sugar cravings in perimenopause, it's your anatomy. It's not your fault, but there's something you can do about it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is where, you know, it was really important to me to understand this because if I didn't experience it myself, I wouldn't know about this. I wouldn't know to share this or I've done the research that I've done in this area in neuroendocrinology. And actually, it is fascinating. It is really fascinating. And so one of the things that was important that I experienced was that lifting of the brain fog. And and when I went through, I recall my second menopause at 48, experiencing the weight gain despite not doing anything different, for me, Tammy, was 20 pounds. What felt like overnight, and I've been well over 240 pounds in my life and lost that weight and kept it off. And so getting that 20 pound quick weight gain without doing anything different. I was like, what's going on? And to be honest, when my patients would come in and say, Dr. Anna, I'm gaining 5, 10, 20 pounds and not doing anything different. I was like, sure, you're not. Is there a Snickers bar? I mean, I was seriously, I remember being a young, cocky skeptic. And, uh, but I would definitely do the workup, you know, I would definitely do the workup and do some intervention, but it was like, yeah, right. How is that possible? Well, it absolutely is true. Our physiology changes during this time and our fuel utilization changes. And so when I experienced that and I switched to my like keto green way and I experienced that clarity and felt the peace that surpasses all understanding, it says in the Bible. And I experienced that because nothing in my external world, I was still a single mom, three kids in you know, different schools, elementary, middle, and high school, all girls, right? ex-husband in a coma and all this good stuff. And, you know, I, you know, recovering from a TBI and nothing in my external world changed, but I had peace. And that's the shift in our physiology. And I think that's so empowering. I want women to know this because dating in my fifties now, I hear so many stories. Oh yeah. My, my ex-wife was bipolar. I'm like bipolar or hormonal or hormonal. It's a neuroendocrine. So I really want to emphasize that we're not going crazy. We have to shift our fuel source and we have to support our hormones. And we have to do the meditation and the breathing work that Dr. Tammy teaches. And I mean, that is that decreases cortisol and increases oxytocin, the most powerful hormone in our body. That's where all my work really surrounds itself, ultimately to heal our physiology because willpower is physiologic. And we heal our physiology and we create good longevity. So the first plan I start people on in my menu pause is what I call the Keto Green Extreme Plan. And it really follows an autoimmune protocol plan with eliminating nightshades. Of course, we are very low carbohydrate in my plants, but the good alkalinizers, the dark green leafies, the cruciferous vegetables, the sprouts, herbs, and spices that are designed to support our physiology and decrease inflammation and improve insulin sensitivity. And that's the goal with healthy fats and high quality protein because we need protein and we forget about that as women. And we were in such the low fat, which also was low protein 80s that you know, that I, I definitely did high school and college in. So we have to retrain our, our bias and recognize healthy fats, high quality protein, 
and lots of dark green leafies and intermittent fasting, but I stop the nightshades in this because sometimes I have patients that are or clients who are doing my online programs and they have Hashimoto's or they're hitting that wall or can't break through a plateau and just eliminating nightshades that made all the difference for them, decrease the inflammatory symptoms, improve their thyroid antibodies. And yeah, so each of the plans kind of is based around a pause of something that could be getting us stuck. I think it's so important. I talk to my patients all the time and I say, you know, unfortunately in perimenopause and after menopause and after andropause, if you wanna make a change, It's based on physics. The second law of thermodynamics means that like wherever something is, it wants to stay there. And it takes a huge increase in energy in order to move it in another direction. Something at rest wants to stay at rest and you got to do a big push to get that rock rolling, but then it'll keep rolling. And so that's why I love a program like you have, because it gives us that focus, big push to move our system in a new direction because, and we know this, but we keep trying the same thing. Oh, I'm going to try intermittent fasting, or I'm going to decrease sugar, or I'm going to try to lower the amount of carbohydrates. And these little tiny changes, unfortunately, don't result in changing the way our system operates. So even though it's easier to do it, it means that you're gonna have to do it for a lot longer. So for example, your program, you do this almost hardcore, right? Like it is what it is and it's very focused, but it's only what, six days? Six days, that's it, each plan is six days. (laughs) You can do six days, you can do hard things. You can do hard things for six days and it's amazing. And I actually put my girlfriend doctor community, which is my private membership community through the hardest plan, the six day cleanse. And they loved it. They loved it. One woman, and this is actually on the cover of uh, First for Women magazine this month on Trisha Yearwood, if you see that magazine. She lost 11 pounds in six days during this cleanse, and she kept 10 of those pounds off. She lost it before Thanksgiving and gained a pound back during Thanksgiving. But it's more than water weight here. But I mean, essentially, diuresing, getting out, like healing cell membranes, that's powerful. And part of the cleanse is a liver gallbladder cleanse in the morning. So the olive oil, lemon juice, it's a special recipe. But... You know, they first like, oh, I'm not going to drink this. And they're like, can we stay on it? It feels so great. It's essential fatty acids, good brain food. I mean, cleansing your gallbladder and your liver and your hormones work better. And Tammy, I just did my labs. I mean, I have diabetes on both sides of my family. My mom was younger than I was when she was undergoing cardiac bypass surgery and died young at 52 years old. I'm 55 now. And she died at 67, struggling for those 10, 15 years after. And my dad died from complications of diabetes, but I was able to intervene. And so instead of like when he was near um, near dying or really falling off at 79, he, he passed away healthfully, you know, at, at 91, at 91, but diabetic for many years at that point. He was diabetic in his 40s. So consequences up. But at 91, it was able to intervene at 79 when his doctors had given up on him. All that to say, I did my labs yesterday because I'm in high stress. So they always look better after book launch than they do before book launch. So I want to see 
My hemoglobin A1C is 5.0 and my inflammatory marker is, you know, my HSCRP is, is less than one. And so really good numbers, except for my DHEAS, which is one of the other markers I really watch. My, it, usually I, I struggle to keep it in the hundreds and it's down uh, around 58 right now. So I'm like, okay, that make you know, stress hormone. So that's the thing, like looking at these markers and increasing insulin sensitivity as we age is critically important for longevity and quality of life. And, you know, it's, is it important to be thin or is it important to be healthy? And I argue that it's important to be healthy, to empower your body in resilience and to create really optimal, radiant, high energy health so you can vibrate at a higher level than when we're sick and inflamed. And I think it's also super important as we get older to understand our, our fat muscle ratio. You could actually not lose any quote unquote weight and have the number on the scales stay the same. And you could get a lot healthier by increasing the amount of protein that you eat. Also, insulin sensitivity is a problem, but also protein receptors get really lazy and we're not getting that muscle definition and we're losing muscle mass and our body just replaces it with fat. Yeah. And so you could actually just change the way you eat, not move the needle on the scale and your clothes will fit differently. Your health numbers on your lab tests will be different and you will feel different. Yep. Yep, absolutely. And that's the difference. You know, there was a study that was published out of um, Texas Christian University, a research that was done at, at TCU in, in Dallas. And it looked at immune factor, immune cells. And it said, the, the headlines read, more attractive people have better immune systems. Well, that's not the truth. People with better immune systems, according to the research, were perceived to be more attractive. Health is sexy, right? Yep. And that's, that's, that's palpable, that's measurable. And that's really, I mean, I think that that's the energy because we're, you know, with hormones, they're hard to measure in one way or another. That's why we look at them in other ways. They're energetic molecules. So optimizing the function and communication of our hormones is just enhances that optimal energy that we can have. And so. I think people forget that hormones are communication chemicals. And, you know, our communication is really the instructions. It's telling other cells and organs and structures what to do, how to do it, how long to do it. And I think one of the biggest factors that I think that I've experienced in my practice, and I think every doctor across the world, is that these last couple of years, the adrenal glands have just been getting punched on a day-by-day, hour-by-hour basis. And this communication of high cortisol has such long-term effects. It affects our brain. It blocks the progesterone receptor. So now our peaceful hormone isn't going to work. Now we're not going to be producing the DHEA that you were talking about that's so important because these little tiny adrenal glands, they can either deal with what stresses you or what blesses you. They, they're too small to do both. So, so what are some of the ways that you can use food to really tap into supporting adrenal health and really helping this current situation where you're either still 
stressed and anxious and worried, or you're frazzled from it. <laughs> I don't think that there's any other option. I don't think anybody sailed through. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that I think what, especially right now, when there's a lot of extra stress, and of course, cortisol will steal from progesterone to uh, be produced. And one of the big things that I recognized, I was like, look, you know, you talk about the communication of hormones. I think of oxytocin as the dean of the university, cortisol and insulin as the professors, and the rest of the hormones as the student body. Each one has something to do, a unique purpose and and path. And if their professors aren't good, there's chaos. If the dean of the university is not good, there's chaos, right? So I look at it as that hierarchy. So anything we can do to increase oxytocin and decrease cortisol is going to empower our physiology. And that's going to affect our hormones more than anything. And what I recognized is, and using food as medicine, using the dark green leafies, the alkalinizers, because when we are stressed, we have a more acidic urine pH. So I have people test, don't guess, check urine pH. Urine pH is a biomarker that's telling us how well we are relating to our physiology, our physiology and our environment. So, and a lot of that's in control, certainly with the food we eat, but the thoughts we keep. So if we're stressed, we're gonna have an acidic urine. It doesn't matter what beautiful vegan diet we're on, right? With all these alkalinizers, it won't matter. You really need to manage your thoughts and manage your stressors in addition to managing your nutrition. So I found that is a critical piece. And, and oxytocin, so cortisol is the most acidifying hormone of our body, very catabolic, will break us down. Rob Peter to pay Paul because we need to survive. And oxytocin is the most alkalinizing hormone of our body. It helps with, so you can have, you know, even a, a not ideal diet, but have fun and laughter and joy and have a more alkaline urine pH. So I've been doing this now since playing and regularly checking my urine pH since, gosh, 2010, definitely since 2015 when I went online with my program. But I mean, just to see how that makes a difference, it's powerful. And what we know is the higher urine pH, lower levels of metabolic syndrome, inflammation, cancer, and even uric acid. So that is that is a biohack that I, I like everyone to do. And to get into ketosis, to get into fat burning mode at this, and ideally our fat burning mode versus the fat we're eating, but get into ketosis at the same time as we have an alkaline urine pH, that is magic. That's a magic energy combination. That's where we need to get into that state and then do the breath work and, and meditations. I mean, and that would just be so, so powerful. It's a very high vibration. And that's a, a healthy, that's a radiant, healthy vibration. I've had women's in their 50s, 60s, 70s, and beyond doing this now and saying what a difference it makes to to definitely be checking that and, and using lifestyle along with the nutrition plans. And I love that you're talking about the thoughts that you keep. I use the analogy that your thoughts are like the pharmacist. So you, you write a prescription and the prescription is based on how you're feeling. So you're feeling fear or worry or stress or anxiety. So your, your body picks this up and goes, okay, well, we got to write a prescription and so the prescription is for fear, worry, and then that prescription goes to the pituitary gland, who is the pharmacist. And does a pharmacist evaluate or make, 
you know, like, oh, no, I don't think that's good for the body. I'm going to change it to a prescription for oxytocin. No, pharmacists look at the prescription from the doctor and it says, dispense the hormones of stress, worry, anxiety, and boom, those thoughts have written the prescription, went to the pharmacist, the pituitary gland, and it is dispensed. Chemicals and hormones throughout your body and then what if you continue to write those same prescriptions? Well, then you have a continuous wash of these hormones of stress and worry and anxiety, and that increases your blood pressure and increases your glucose. People don't understand that stress is one of the most common causes for your sugars to go up. People come and they say they have a you know, their glucose is 110. Oh, but I don't eat sugar very often. And I said, I believe you, you're stressed. <laughs> right. So true. And and until like in, for my second book, Keto Green 16, I wore a continuous glucose monitor for like a year. I mean, you know, I, I used uh, I used them continuously. We and just started using those in, in my practice with my patients. I Love it. I love it. They should be over the counter. I mean, really, that is something for every person to do at least, at least for a month of their, of their life right now. I, I think I'm so glad to hear you doing that. That gave me so much information. Like I was wondering, you know, I wake up in ketosis and alkaline, then I'd have a cup of my espresso coffee and I'd be acidic. Okay. I get that coffee's acidic, but I'd be out of ketosis. That didn't make sense until the continuous glucose monitor for me, that espresso is enough to caffeine stimulates cortisol, stimulates my glucose on my sensitive adrenals. So it would go up 20 points fasting, oh my gosh. fasting. And that, you know, just that cumulative effect. Right. And so and then you've done all this work to fast and right. it didn't do anything. And right. people are wondering what's wrong. Right. And the other thing I did, Tammy, I was speaking on stage um, at a conference, I think KetoCon, I'm going there again in July this year. And I was fasted state to speak because I want that brain clarity. And I'm wearing my continuous glucose monitor. So this was two years ago, pre-pandemic. And my glucose went up to 150 and stayed there for 30 minutes. Just because of being on stage. Stress, stress. Yeah. And normally I'm in the 80s, so, and sometimes lower. But yeah, yeah, and that's funny. But I wouldn't have realized, like, wait, I'm fasting. But that's the power of our thoughts, right? That is the power. I love that of the pharmacist telling our body, look, you need glucose in this stress state. But to really recognize, even at a rest state, you know, I'm not like, I don't feel stressed, what's happening under the surface and checking, checking your pH, checking ketones, checking with that continuous glucose monitor. Those are biohacks that are essential for our longevity. I love it. I love that you're doing that. Such good information. What are some of the life hacks that you encourage your listeners and, and the people who buy menu pods? Is there life hacks that are included in the menus? Yeah, there definitely are. In fact, in MenuPause, I incorporate tips of menopause around the world. So I incorporate other foods and practices. And one of the practices is about saying grace. And I think that's a, such a powerful science has shown that when we say grace, we have less cortisol and we have more oxytocin. And so we're blessing our food. And don't we know that, right? If we look at, you know, shaman and world leaders, they will bless and are so grateful for the food they're about to receive. And I think that's an important part. It's again, what intention are we eating with? 
And that's a really powerful part of menopause. And I, I think there's so much about menopause around the world that really has fascinated me compared to like what we've seen. Like, I'm a new grandma, Tammy. <laughs> I have a new grandbaby. <laughs> like a grandma. First, first grandbaby. And I didn't know what a grandma looks like because both my grandparents, both sides were dead before I was born. My mother died a year after my firstborn daughter was born. And so for me, the concept of being a grandma was sick and dead, right? And so when I found out I was a grandma, I was starting to gain weight. I was starting to cancel my workouts. And I was like, what is happening? And that's when I realized I had this programming under the surface. So if we're programming what a grandma looks like, if we're programming what menopause looks like, we have to be aware, right? First step is awareness and reprogram. So now I visualize myself in a private jet taking tons of grandkids and great grands around the world, you know, Petra is next on our destination. So I really have to consciously be aware of my subconscious. It was fascinating, fascinating experience for me. It is fascinating. You know, I always talk about the three pillars of health, and this is basically what all of the BioThrive podcast is based on. So, you know, you have your structure and we get regenerative medicine specialists and stem cell experts, et cetera, because that can help. But if your structure is broken, if you have a broken leg or things like that, you have to fix the structure. The second is the chemical, and that's so much the hormones and the acidity or alkalinity, our food, people forget our food becomes chemicals in our bodies. And then chemicals outside of us too. We have to be mindful of all of the preservatives and chemicals that we're ingesting. And then the last one is the electricity and the frequency. You know, you and I are, we practice like integrative functional medicine, almost like a naturopath, but we are MDs. So we did the traditional rote of education. And if you had a patient who would come in with seizures or some other problem with the brain, wouldn't you check their electricity of their brain? And if somebody came in with something wrong with their heart, you're going to check the electricity and frequency of their heart with an EKG. Every single cell in our body has an electrical charge. And it turns out that our thoughts can be measured in our brain and it can change the electricity of every cell in our body. And it can make that cell an inhospitable place to disease. It's so powerful. But did you learn any of this in med school? I didn't. No, no, and it is so powerful. And I went to an osteopathic med school, so structure and function was foundational to our learning. And that every neuroanatomy, right, the connection of every piece to another. And then as training as an obstetrician, we monitored fetal heart rate and we watched, right? Like, what is that telling us about the health of the baby? Then once the baby's out, we forget about ever measuring fetal heart rate again. And now we're like, okay, heart rate variability. There's something to that for the, all of our lives, for our teenagers. I mean, it's such a critical piece of information. And somehow we forget, especially when it comes to women's health and hormones, because every time we've used a big, large synthetic hormone trial, it created problems. And so then they're saying, oh, well, all estrogen is bad. That's misogynistic conversation. That really is. It's not the estrogen itself. It's the synthetics. It's the metabolites. It's the hormone disruptors. 
You mean our bodies, they actually know that we're not horses? <laughs> they know the difference. <laughs> I know the difference. I know. I know. Right? I'm like, why do they have to keep trying to sell us that the synthetic thing is better? Like, give me a break. It's not. You know, it's that's another conversation. Our bio hormones a good one. Are, are potentially at risk right now in the, the legislation. Well, we have to do everything we can to protect it because that is, again, there is a huge, a huge stronghold on physician creativity and license to practice the art of medicine. That is, you know, we were, were told in, it was the brainwashing started early, only base your practice on evidence-based medicine. And I'm like, oh, you mean, and versus in your clinical opinion, right? Wait, I'm a clinician. I'm intuitive. I'm working with the patient. There are multi-levels here. What evidence base? You mean the evidence-based studies that Big Pharma funded that are or or funded, yeah, research centers to well, do that? Worse. And there's huge bias. Yeah, but it's gotten worse. So it's no longer just the evidence base, it's standard of care. So what are your colleagues doing? How is that going to help us move forward? But you and I will keep digging wow. in and y'all keep <laughs> listening to Dr. Tammy. Women and men to be the CEOs of their own life and empower them with information so that no matter if they come to see me or you or, or wherever they go, that they know the right questions to ask and that they have the strength inside of them to say, uh-uh-uh, you work for me. And you know what? You're fired. <laughs> People should be able to say that. Yeah. And again, keep looking, trust your intuition, trust your own judgment. And un until, seriously, until I got out of the brain fog, I didn't have really good judgment. I don't know. You remember when I was engaged to that guy? I mean, didn't have good judgment. So things like that, you've got to be careful. You have to be careful. So. With love. <laughs> now, tell us about your book. Where can people find it? All the usual places, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, all of that. And it's called Menu Pause, like a menu for your food um, and pause. I always think it is great that if you have read a book and it has blessed your life, leave a review. You have no idea how much that helps other people make decisions about whether or not they're going to purchase it. They don't listen to us because we put our heart and soul into it. And of course, we think it's like our baby. It's beautiful. But they listen to those reviews. So second thing is, if it has blessed your life, then share a review and, and share an honest review no matter what. And then the last thing is, what is something that you think would bless people's lives or a great book besides your menu pause that you've read that you think would be a great thing for people to do? Well, I definitely think like the big part is the practice of gratitude is really being in control of our thoughts. And we have to think of things that are going on in the world, but compartmentalize that and focus on what we can control. And what do we know to be true, right? What do we know to be true? What are our eyes, your eyes, ears, nose, senses, energy? What is that telling you? And I think the more we get in touch with that, the more powerful our bodies are and our choices are. And I think that's really understated in medicine. And we often, and I saw it happen with my mom, gave her power away to 11 prescription drugs and several different specialists and suffered. 
suffered and that should never happen to anyone. And unfortunately, it's still happening today. Polypharma, there's no study of polypharma in, you know, typically two or more medications together haven't been studied, let alone in a menopausal female. So empowerment, and that's why I wrote my books, my hormone fix book is my magnus opus. And the menu pause is simple, get your feet wet and really understanding in a fun way to have the conversation about what we can control in menopause. And I really want people to do that. I want to have, have the conversation and be and feel empowered and feel what it would feel what it is like to breeze through menopause into the second spring. It doesn't matter how old you are in your 80s or how young you are in your 20s. This will make a difference. Thank you so much. Dr. Anna Kabeca, Menu Pauses the Book. And thank you, everyone. Remember, health is contagious. So if you have enjoyed this, please share it with your friends and family. Have a beautiful day. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. I hope that some of the information helps you become the CEO of your own health. Remember, health can be contagious, so be sure to pass this on to those that you love and make sure that you subscribe so you're right on track to hear more amazing information to help you thrive. Have a beautiful day.